Mitch Keller is such a good example on so many levels, but the best of all is the one related to patience. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. Blue Jays 7, Pirates won yesterday if you're into that Grapefruit League stuff. And you know what? You probably should be at this point because it's getting a little bit late in the spring and the Pirates keep not scoring any runs. But hey, whatever. Before that, Derek Shelton lured Keller into his office in Bradenton and found a clever way to break the news to him that he'd be the opening day starter March 30 in Cincinnati. And that's just so cool. I know we've probably lost some of the fun with the naming of the opening day starter in Pittsburgh because there have been some real stinkers along the way. I mean, guys that shouldn't have been anywhere near an opening day start. Usually it was whoever happened to be the oldest guy in the rotation and look around the room and go, yeah, okay, it's going to have to be him. This is different. This is different. Uh, Nobody who's listening to this particular program would need me to tell them what Keller's been through. And more than anything, it's been a bumpy one. He was drafted all the way back in 2014, a second rounder. He immediately, in the system, looked like ace-type guy. Uh, If not, you know, the general definition of ace, you know, meaning Justin Verlander and maybe three or four other guys, certainly an ace of a rotation in Pittsburgh. But it never really came together after the first couple of years. In fact, his first two seasons in the majors, which not coincidentally, began with a recall to a game in Cincinnati. He had a 6.02 ERA spanning 170 innings. Things got so bad a couple of years ago that he was sent down to Indianapolis in midseason just to see what he could conceivably sort out. To his credit, he did. He came back up, but it wasn't all there yet. And then last season, yeah, I mean, he came into Bradenton throwing 100 miles an hour. He turned that into something off which he could add additional pitches, slider, sweeper, the new sweeper. And he took that confidence that he'd gained from the spring and hitting triple digits on the gun and feeling all good about himself again, even though that didn't really translate into the regular season. He was able to feed off of that and learn these other pitches and get pretty good at some of them. And he became, as he told me himself, at one point in September of last season, a pitcher. That was it. He became a pitcher. It wasn't just a thrower. wasn't somebody who would run out of answers at the first sign of trouble. Now he was armed, no pun intended, with lots of answers, lots of options and the confidence and the command to come with it. So yeah, seeing him take the mound at Great American Ballpark is going to be really, really cool. 
And I'm reminded of something he said to me. This was several years ago down in Pirate City when I asked who he thought the ace of the staff was going to be. And he said, it should be me. It should be me. This was way before he should have been saying stuff like that. But he meant it in the right spirit because he went on to explain, it's been me at every level. I've been the guy at every level. I should be leading this rotation. And by that, he meant through leadership, not, you know, that he's so much better than everybody else. I should be that guy. And I loved hearing that. And I hated seeing all the stuff that happened to him after he said that. Because it was maddening. It was, oh, nobody wants to, you know, grab a shovel and dig all this up again. But let's be honest here. Me and you. We had doubts not only about his pitching ability, but also to an extent about his personality or his character. We were using lines like, you know, looks like Kip Wells. He's nibbling at the corners. Chris Benson, for those of you who go back 20 years. And I'm not here to hide behind any collective we on that front because I said the same things. I wrote the same things. It was difficult to dovetail what you knew about this pitcher's arm, about this pitcher's heart, and then those performances in which the moment he'd get in trouble, he would just start steering away from everybody. Now, I have no idea what he's going to do. I'm not sure he knows what he's going to do. He does lean in on his catcher, but the catcher probably doesn't either. Because Mitch, unlike almost everybody else in the organization, can come at you with a lot of different looks. And once he finds a look for that game, and this is the catch, he'll pound it. He'll have no problem saying, listen, my slider is on. I know this isn't my main pitch, but it is today. And the other team will have spent all this time scouting him and all this time watching video of things that are everything other than sliders. And he'll mow him down. And all it took for him to be an opening day starter was nine years from the day he was drafted. So be patient. That's the lesson. Look at the system. Get excited about this guy or that guy. Get excited about this development or this step along the way. Even a major leap like the one that Quinn Priester appeared to make three years ago. And had everybody talking about him. Remember in 2020, the pandemic year, everybody saw him in Altoona at that camp and were like, wow, this is great. This is fabulous. Good for him. That doesn't get erased. It's part of the ups and downs and the bumps. He becomes a better, more confident pitcher, Priester does, as a result of that. And he has a better chance of getting to Pittsburgh as a result of that so long as he focuses on the positive and not negative ninnies like me who panned him over the way he looked in front of me the other day in Sarasota, you know? (laughs) Good for Mitch. When we come back, J1Q. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800 degree stone and you do the rest. 
It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. from Steve, who in reference to yesterday's show about Andy Rodriguez asks if Andy doesn't come up, are the Pirates really taking their best team north? To which my answer is an emphatic no. And to which my question back to you would be, name the team that does. Because there are none. Not one. The Dodgers have a gazillion dollar payroll. They also happen to have a really good system. Both things have been true for a while now. So even when the Dodgers have a payroll uh, in which the average salary is like 10 or $12 million, and even their bench guys are getting paid more than anybody on the Pirates, they're still not taking their best 26 North. You know why? Because they have a really good system. And if you take your best 26 North, then you're putting at least a third of your roster in a reserve role, meaning bench or bullpen. So you'd be taking prospects off the field where they can continue getting better and putting them on your bench. Now, look, I understand this stuff doesn't apply to Andy. In a perfect world where there weren't arbitration cases and everything else, Andy would be your starting catcher, Austin Hedges could be your backup, and you could buy a little extra needed time for Henry Davis. Okay, I'm I'm not playing dumb to that. I also could make the argument that Andy could use a little bit more time in the minors. He won't be one of those players who's stunted by it, who's held back by it. Would I want him here? Yeah. Am I offended by him not being here? No. So let's take the Pirates' own situation out of the mix. This phrase about bringing your best team north, it doesn't apply anywhere. Because if all you did was conduct a spring training in which you said, give me the 26 most talented players, the ones who can be the very best at what they do, you're going to end up with a mess of a major league roster. Think about this, man. Well, no, here, better yet, put some names to it. Let's take Mike Burroughs. Real nice right-handed pitcher, buries his sinker deep into the ground. He's better than, I'd say, probably three-quarters of the guys that Pirates will have in the bullpen right now. So out of your total pitching staff, Mike Burroughs would be somewhere right in the middle. So he should make the team, right? No, no. He's going to be a starter. He needs to start. And he's not going to start in Pittsburgh. Not now. And, I dare say, on merit. I think the five starters that they have right now may be better than Burroughs right now. I I don't want to keep repeating this because it's going to come across as like, you know, whatever. But I hear the line so often and I really wish that I didn't because it just doesn't make any sense and it doesn't apply anywhere. By the way, it doesn't apply anywhere in really in any of baseball, football, or hockey. There are different timetables, there are different roles, there are different points at which a player is most appropriate to add to the active roster. If Andy made it, I'd have been just fine with it. Andy didn't make it, 
I'm okay with it. It's not great, but it's not awful. Now, ask me after a full month in the regular season of watching Hedges bat 150, and I might feel differently. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. 